Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, hey, folks, thanks for joining us here on this Wednesday afternoon. Rob Breckenridge with you. Plenty more still to get to over the course of this hour. We'll get some more of your phone calls and uh, plenty of news to recap. But I do want to start off this hour with a conversation about the changes that await us as of February 1st, now less than three weeks away. Traffic court as we know it in Alberta is set to end. There will be a whole new administrative system for dealing with traffic offenses and a whole new system that awaits you if you decide to contest a traffic ticket. Now, Premier Jason Kenney was holding a Facebook Live event last night and taking questions uh, from Facebook users. One of them asked him about these changes, and here's how the Prime Minister described and defended it. My understanding is under the Administrative Penalties Act that was passed, you can still challenge the the fine, but we try to get that, keep that out of court because we, as you may know, we ended up having in the past to uh, cancel charges, lift charges against many real criminals because of the huge backlog in our court system, so much of which was related to minor traffic administrative offenses. Um, so this is like any other fine, you can contest it, uh, but um, uh, there is a, a need for us to focus the court time on real criminals. Now, there's, there's a lot that's left out here. Yes, you can challenge a fine. You can ask an adjudicator to review your case, not a judge, an adjudicator. An adjudicator is not going to then turn to the police officer and ask the officer to defend the ticket. The adjudicator is going to put it back on you to present the evidence for why you are innocent. The adjudicator will either uphold your ticket or toss it altogether. There was no in-between option, no option to reduce the fine. And even if your ticket is tossed, you are paying for the service. You pay a non-refundable fee of either $50 or $150, depending on what the, uh, the amount is on the ticket. So even if you succeed, you're still paying a fine of sorts. You have seven days, by the way, to decide whether to contest a ticket. So we've certainly, I think, in this process, we're shifting away from the presumption of innocence, shifting the burden of proof. And is that a fair trade-off to deal with what are legitimate concerns around delays in our court system? Well, joining us to talk a bit more about the implications of all of this and you know, whether this is even constitutional very pleased to welcome to the program here this afternoon, Jeff Seymour, uh, who's a defense attorney. He's a partner at the defense firm X Copper, xcopper.com. That's the letter X. Jeff, good to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Rob. I'm uh, happy to be here and uh, kind of shed some light on uh, these new changes that obviously they're fast approaching. Come February 1st, uh, everything takes effect and yeah. motorists in Alberta will no longer be issued a, a traffic ticket with a court date and everything is going to move to what you've identified as phase two of this new online dispute regime with an adjudicator. 
well, yeah, and, and, and the next phase might even involve more than just traffic tickets. But yeah, you're right. This is where we're at now, February 1st, it all takes effect. Now, uh, your firm operates in, in other provinces, I think Ontario and Quebec, but um, I mean, maybe BC has something similar to this, but otherwise, th- this this is kind of unprecedented, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it, it, certainly in my experience, we, we don't see anything of this nature coming into Ontario uh, or Quebec, but um, you know, about 10 years ago, I know there were some discussions about eliminating traffic court, but uh, fast forward to today, it seems that it's, it's now taken effect. So whether that could happen in other provinces um, remains to be seen, and I'm sure uh, different provinces will be studying the Alberta model to see, you know, how this new regime works and whether or not the, you know, the justification for changing uh, our, our, our current traffic system is beneficial for those involved. Uh, my my concern, obviously, is is what I think a lot of Albertans are are feeling that are aware of this is that how do you have your day in court if you don't actually have the ability to go to court and have a trial? Because that, that's not an option here, is it? No, it's not, and that, that that's my concern because you know an individual may want to contest their ticket, and that option exists under this new system, but you're not going to have a trial, and therefore it comes down to convincing or persuading the adjudicator uh, that the charges against you should be dropped. So previously, the onus was on the Crown, right? Right. The prosecutor had to supply sufficient evidence. They had to ensure that, uh, you know, there's a reasonable likelihood of conviction before they even take the step into court and, and proceed to a trial. So if you were charged, you know, at first glance, the, the onus is on the Crown prosecutor just to make sure that the officer that charge the individual, you know, has sufficient evidence and it would hold up in court. Now that's off the table. And it appears this new system is a means of you're guilty till proven innocent. So those that are unfamiliar with the court system or how to defend themselves, you know, it's, it's not going to be easy unless you know how to review evidence and find issues to raise with the adjudicator. And unfortunately, you know, the adjudicator won't have discretion to cut you a break or maybe change the charge to something that is more palatable. It's mm-hmm. going to be an all or nothing approach, which, you know, it's, it's quite scary when you, when you really think about it. Well, and the ability to, you know, as they say, face one's accuser in this instance to, to be able to question a police officer or ask to see their, their notes or whatever evidence they might've gathered. That, that it sounds like that's not really an option at all under this system. The police officer is not involved in the adjudicator's review in any capacity. Right. So um, our office, like we've made necessary changes to our processes, you know, in order to be able to hit the ground running come February 1st. But we've already been doing this um, since December of 2020 under phase one. So we're, we're quite familiar with this new online system as it pertains to impaired driving offenders. And, and this is situations where the police officer uses their discretion at the roadside to not charge one criminally and issue the safe roads IRS uh, sanction is what we call it. Yeah. So we've, we've been experienced dealing with representing Alberta's or Albertan drivers since December of 2020, and the system's the same. So it's, it's, we're playing in a new arena, so to speak. Um, but no, we don't have the opportunity to ask the officer questions in front of the adjudicator like we would when we're cross-examining an officer before a judge or commissioner. And, and that is concerning, right? Because the, the evidence will still be uploaded online, and, you know, depending on what the charge is, it's typically going to be the police officer's notes, their observations, and, 
you know, if it's a speeding offense, you know, presumably they're going to have to upload what device they used and confirmation that it was calibrated and tested. But, you know, we'll have the opportunity, as would somebody representing themselves, to review that evidence, but you won't have the opportunity to cross-examine the officer. Um, you know, so how that shakes out before an adjudicator remains to be seen, right? If there's anything missing or if we deem the evidence to be insufficient, then obviously we're seeking to have the entire entire charge dismissed. Um, but again, the, the adjudicator doesn't have that discretion to, you know, maybe work out a deal with you if the evidence is somewhat problematic. It's going to be an all-or-nothing approach. Um, and, you know, once we cross that bridge February 1st, we'll get a much better idea as to how cases are, are being dealt with by the adjudicator. But, uh, you, you know, losing the ability to cross-examine the officer and ask some pretty important questions if uh, the evidence doesn't tell the full story, you know, we, we've lost that ability. Well, and we say it's all or nothing, which is true, because they'll either uphold the ticket or toss it out. But in this instance, nothing really is a nothing because there's either a 50 or a $150 non-refundable fee for contesting the ticket. So even in a situation where an officer has made a, a clear and obvious error in issuing the ticket, would somebody still be on the hook for that, that fee? Well, the way I read it and the way you've read or just stated it, non-refundable, right? Now, okay. yeah. I disagree with that, right? If you, you know, in, in a perfect world, if you're able to demonstrate that you're not guilty of the offense that you've been charged with, you know, you're still facing a financial penalty, so to speak, because of the application fee. So I, I mm -hmm. completely disagree with that aspect of it. Or perhaps that money could be, you know, held in trust or escrow and returned to the, you know, accused or the offender in the event that they're successful in the adjudicator review process. But um, I'm, you know, I'm unaware of the details of that. But when you read non-refundable, it's, it's quite clear that it's non-refundable, right? That's what it seems like, yeah. So do you see a basis here potentially for this to be challenged? What is the likelihood uh, of, of a constitutional challenge here? So there's, there's two ways to look at that. I've had a, a lot of individuals ask me that. So whether the entire system or the entire change can be challenged is, is one aspect. The other would be whether the individual has the means to challenge the decision of the adjudicator. And that is done through a judicial review or a constitutional challenge. So that avenue or path, so to speak, still exists for the individual. But that's different from whether or not the entire system and change can be challenged if it's deemed to be you know, unconstitutional or in violation of our rights. But this is something that was passed over a year ago. So it would have already gone through the, you know, the hoop, so to speak. And obviously, with Bill C-21 passing, um, they deem that this new system is not going to be in violation of our rights. But that doesn't mean that the individual that's charged can't take this fight to court. But you're not getting your trial date. You're simply disagreeing with the adjudicator's decision. And then if, you know, based on what their decision is or why they're upholding the, the charge against you, if they make an error or a mistake, you can still have your day in court, so to speak, by doing what's called a judicial review or constitutional challenge. So, so that path will still exist to the individual uh, and to the public, but whether the entire system is going to be challenged remains to be seen. Well, I mean, it certainly speaks to, to challenges in navigating all of this, doesn't it, for, for individuals? Well, absolutely. And, and you know, my, my concern is a lot of the charges, like we, our firm, we've been operating in Alberta for seven years. 
And I was called to the bar in Ontario uh, in 2013, and I transferred out to Alberta and got called to the Alberta bar so that I could open up our office out here. And we've been essentially in every jurisdiction since we started. And the experience that, you know, we've gained from reviewing thousands of disclosure, police officers' evidence, there are so many different offenses that carry a subjective element, right? The officer might genuinely believe that you committed the offense. But in court, we get to test that subjective belief against whether it's objectively reasonable, right? So if an officer truly believes that you ran a red light, but in his evidence he states the accused crossed into the intersection at the exact same time the light changed, well, now we're dealing with possible human error because, you know, where's the officer situated? And if he's focused on the light, which is to his rights, let's say, he's not going to be able to say with any degree of certainty that the vehicle breached the intersection when the vehicle is on his left. So human error will never be eliminated, right? And in court, we, we test that, okay, we, we accept that you believe that's what happened, but the evidence demonstrates reasonable doubt. Because if the vehicle did not breach the intersection when the light was red, they're not guilty of the offense. So this you know, adjudication process, we'll, you know, we'll have to see what happens when we're dealing with these cases, uh, you know, effective February 1st, because, you know, in my estimation, if the evidence isn't essentially what we'd expect in court, then these cases should be dismissed. So if you end up having the violation against you upheld, then you now have to take it into court. And it's, it's, it's certainly a lot more barriers to entry. Right. Which, you know, the system, it it shouldn't be that way. Right. It was it was a level playing field before you get charged, but you're not facing any penalties. Nothing goes on your record until you're convicted or you plead guilty. Now you have seven days to file a review. So that's the first hurdle. You now have to pay a fee just to have that review and it's non-refundable. That's the second hurdle. And then if you're not, you know, happy with the outcome, which obviously if the outcome does not go in your favor, you now have to take the matter into court of Queen's bench if that's the route that this goes. We don't have those details at this point, but it's, it's a lot more challenging for individuals to, to really have their matter heard and explain the scenario to someone, which is truly unfortunate because, like I said, there's a lot of different offenses out there that human error will always play an element. Well, we're coming up close to February 1st. We'll see if the government has any uh, change of thought or if they pump the brakes a little bit uh, between now and then. Uh, in the meantime, more at uh, xcopper.com. As mentioned, Jeff, thanks so much for joining us here. Appreciate your insight. I appreciate you having me, and we, uh, we're here for Alberta drivers. Uh, come February 1st, we've, we've made the necessary changes to be able to hit the ground running, and um, one of the key things that we're, we're going to be doing is building in the fee that goes to the government into our current uh, cost structure so as to avoid Albertans having to, you know, be hit with two financial, you know, burdens before being right. able to have uh, their matters heard. And, you know, that's that's the way it's going to be moving forward, and we're here for Albertans if they need us. All right, we'll see how it all goes. Jeff, thanks again. Much appreciated. Appreciate it. Thank you for your time. All the best. Uh, that is uh, Defense Lawyer Jeff Seymour, partner at uh, the law firm X Copper. His thoughts on what these changes all represent. They're pretty big changes. Anyway, 403-974-8255 in Calgary, 780-496-0063 is the number in Edmonton. My name is Rob Breckenridge. We're back with more right after this.
Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.